Welcome back, everyone, once again to a new installment of Screenplay Rewinds. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. So this week, Ron, are you playing Ron in the podcast? Are you playing yourself? Or are you actually yourself? I am. Uh, I'm playing a Ron super fan. You're playing a Ron super fan. Yeah. Are you so? Are you played by Pedro Pascal? Yes. I Sick. am Pedro Pascal. I have been this whole time. See, always be yourself unless you can be Pedro Pascal. Exactly. You always be Pedro Pascal. <laughs> I, I love that, like, Pedro Pascal just went from that guy everyone loved in Game of Thrones to now just, like, fucking everywhere <laughs> all uh, over yeah. the place. It makes me so happy. Uh, yeah. He's one of those dudes where it's just, like, he, I, I wanted him to take off so bad because he's just always so fucking good at everything he's in. And then, like, uh, Last of Us popped off and Mandalorian, even though he's, like, barely in the mandalorian really you know like <laughs> it's still like just did a lot to help out his career it always makes me happy uh man yeah, yeah this is I, uh, uh this may be my favorite pedro pascal performance he's so fucking good in this movie. and uh, there's two major performances i have not seen but i this this may be my favorite performance of his yeah he's he's wonderful we'll talk about it yeah uh so we typically have a Q&A section to start us off. I didn't have anything on my side. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, we didn't have we didn't have much. Uh, we did have a comment from Bobby that we can throw on the podcast, though. <laughs> we had been talking about The Last Boy Scout in our Three Musketeers review. Uh, I had mentioned I liked it. You said you liked it, and we were kind of under the impression that like not many other people did, but we have Bobby officially on board, who said Last Boy Scout, three thumbs up yeah three. if you get three if you get three thumbs up from bobby that like ratchets up your rotten tomato score by like 10 percent. or does he work on like on like a uh like a one to five thumbs up scale is he saying it's just kind of mediocre or that's a good question i i i think is he saying three... last boy scout fuck yeah I think he's saying Last Boy Scout, fuck yeah, with three endorsements, but we can have Bobby then comment in on this episode <laughs> and then <laughs> to verify. Leave a comment And then below. by the time that we read the comment, we will forget what he's confirming. <laughs> I and know. the cycle... It always takes cycle, me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the unbearable so weight of short-term memory loss. Right? It is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just jump into it. Uh, so we have... Spoilers for the unbearable weight of massive talent. And this is actually a movie that I would say if you are interested in, look up nothing about it. Because all I knew about this movie was that Nick Cage played himself. That was That's literally the it. only thing anyone knew <laughs> about this movie. And I never watched any of the trailers. I never saw any of the posters. That was literally all I knew. And that was enough to hook me just because it's so fucking weird. And I, I had no idea what the plot of this movie was. And when they, like, fucking opened it up with, like, a kidnapping, I was like, did I play the wrong movie on YouTube? <laughs> did you think the same thing? Because I was not expecting that. When it opened with Con Air, I was like, okay, not what I expected. <laughs> but got it. Then as it, like, zooms out of a TV and then a fucking kidnapping happens, I was like, is he going to have to reprise this role from Con Air and go save this chick? Like, what is happening? Put the hostage down. <laughs> right? 
I, you know what's also funny is it, it booted up with Con Air in like that really shitty late 90s, like like 480p. And I thought YouTube like screwed me over on the quality of my download. <laughs> screwed me over on the quality of my Nicholas fucking Cage. Because if you, so typically I, I rent stuff on Apple, right? But yeah. this was like, for whatever fucking reason, like $2 more expensive to rent on Apple. So I was like, fuck that. I'll keep my $2. I will rent it on YouTube. And instead of saying like 4K, YouTube says like super ultra master, like high def or whatever the hell their verbiage is. And I was like, are you fucking me over with this? Because this shit looks 480p. <laughs> <laughs> and then it zooms out and it's, you know, like a 4K movie. I was like, oh, thank God. I went to go rent it on Apple. And instead, Apple was like, you can buy it from us. You can rent it from us. Or you can just get seven days of stars for free and watch it there. And I was like, okay apple and i just clicked seven days of stars i do those so many times that i feel like how am i still getting these trials <laughs> like how are y'all making money you never, like every you never time... signed up so you're still technically a new customer yeah it, it's like i feel like eventually y'all are not gonna make any money if i have unlimited trials you know <laughs> but yeah Got yeah. it watched. And uh, it's yeah, going to but... work out because there's a few other movies I noticed were in the stars lineup that I wanted to see. There you go. What what else did you have your eye on? Uh, when Ouchie put me on the spot, I completely blanked on one of them. But the other one is uh, Alice Darling with Anna Kendrick. She, okay. uh, like all of the film circuit uh, buzz and all of... Um, the film festivals, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and a lot of like Twitter accounts and stuff that I follow for movies, uh, will not stop raving about that movie. Okay. And her okay. performance in it. So I've been curious. Especially since it's the like the complete opposite of what her normal role is. Which I know she's good at drama type stuff because I've watched um her HBO show. Uh, which I am now blanking on that too. Why do you keep putting me on the spot, Jeff? Hey, you put yourself on the spot with that one, my man. <laughs> uh, do, 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 real quick. Uh, Love Life. Yeah, I had. I didn't. I didn't I even get not, there yet, and I found it. Love Life. I had not heard of that movie, but uh, I, I like Anna Kendrick, so I, I'd be down. Uh, it is not going to be an uplifting story. It is about a woman trapped in an abusive relationship. Oh. Well, uh, the, 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 posters, down, man. the posters are literally her in water with the water about to come up over her face like she's drowning. Butter. So, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a good movie, though. But it's, every it's single, really I feel like good. every single actor that has, like, good comedic timing is always good at drama. Because, like, those, like uh, those actors always say, like, comedy is way harder than drama so usually if you're good at like comedic timing like she is you can usually translate that to being a really good uh, dramatic actor well what's interesting is when i uh, i don't know if you remember but when i was watching love life uh the first time i was like jeff she is an executive producer on this and she is one of the three people at the round table at the end of every episode like hbo loves to do yeah i was like it's not gonna be long before she's writing or directing something and after this movie broke and everyone was like blowing up about Anna Kendrick's performance and that, it broke that she's like writing, starring, and directing in another movie uh, about something. And uh, now everyone's talking about that one because it's in the like nice. editing phase. 
So yeah. it was like shortly after I said that to you, uh, this movie came out, and then it was announced on the riding the the wave of this movie that yeah. she actually wrote, and uh, I believe she wrote and starred. I know she stars and directs in. I believe she wrote it. So, but yeah. Now it's yeah, gonna be, that's be- one of them, and I'm trying to re- fucking remember. I don't remember what all was in there now. There was something. I scrolled through it real fast, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about that movie. And then I was like, oh, I didn't even know this one was out. I thought it was still, I thought Alice Darling was still, like, to rent, and I was waiting for it to to hit streaming. But I ran across something else. And I don't remember what it was now. I feel like stars and Showtime are the master of grabbing that movie that people like, oh, I wanted to see that and completely forget about just like that. Yeah. That complete collection of like seven out of 10 movies. You know, there was a a while that I preferred stars over HBO because HBO pushed all of their own content so hard and there's so much of it I don't care about. But Stars usually has a really good mix of new stuff and older stuff that I might want to watch it again. Plus, if you have Stars, you get Encore, which has a bunch of stuff in it. Some of it, which I might want to watch again. So I and they're like four or five bucks cheaper than HBO. So for a while, I was actually a bigger fan of Stars than than I was uh, HBO. Another movie that has hit the streaming platforms. Uh, albeit it's currently at the like $20 to own rental thing or not rental, but the digital purchase, you know, before mm-hmm. it drops down to be cheaper is a movie. I didn't even realize had come out yet that I was wanting to see was a Sisu. You remember the yeah. like, world war two, John wick style thing. Yeah. Like, the one podcast I listened to that's talked about it. They were not impressed for all the wrong reasons. They were not impressed. So it was Jeff from rage select. And the guy is, an insane fan of the John Wick movies, yet he was talking about Sisu and like, okay, at this point it's a superhero movie because there's things happening in this movie that a human cannot do. And I'm like, in John Wick, he's doing shit a human cannot do. John, he does. So like the the first John Wick is like pretty grounded. Like there's some yeah. kind of crazy stuff, but it's fairly grounded. The sequels, he is a superhero. <laughs> Yeah, uh, dude, falling off he the fall- roof and hitting falls- like five yeah. balconies on the way down, He'd that is a- grounded to you and realistic? He'd be in a fucking Keanu-sized body cast after that if he didn't fucking immediately die. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just exactly. Like, he's fucked up, but he's like, fine. So it's like, yeah, I don't get that. Uh, Sisu, though, has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy so there's, shit. There's something, <laughs> there's something there. I want to I wanna watch it. Um, uh, and I and I agree, but that's I feel like that's just like Jeff being Jeff because he he will blatantly contradict himself in the most like outlandish way that I can't like figure out the equation to where he got to that point. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can that. never I can, I see the pins on the board. I never see any of the string connecting them. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Like have you like Jeff? Have you have you seen John Wick three and four? <laughs> have you seen John Wick three and four? That's, Come on, man. <laughs> that's a movie we haven't talked about yet, even just off mic, is John Wick 4. I think I, I saw it before John. you, so I was waiting, and then I think you saw it, and we just never talked about it. Oh, I think I, I, think, uh, I, think I saw it first. Oh, did I, you see I, it? I, yeah, I saw it first, I think, and then I was refraining from talking about it. And I think we, like, very briefly texted about it, but not very much at all. But yeah, I, I love me some John Wick 4. I, it's my favorite of the sequels, like, by far. Um, Let There Be Carnage 
A Private War and um, Don't Breathe 2 are all on stars. I forgot Don't Breathe. We needed to cover both of those on the show. So we yeah. have an excuse to to finally watch that shit because we love that first one. And I've been meaning to watch that fucking second one for part so long. Part of what's it's holding just... me back is Don't Breathe doesn't really need a sequel. That's part of yeah, what's but, holding me back. But we got to watch it. We, we got to watch it. Yeah. But, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah so... Yeah, that's uh, that's what it was. It was those and Alice Darling. I also forgot Let There Be Carnage existed. <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, I'm not giving anyone money for that, including a streaming service. So having this for free for seven days is a good chance to go watch that. I what I know has to be garbage. I feel like it'll be entertaining garbage. I my here's the thing. If you had if you asked me who I would cast as Carnage. Hands down, they knocked that out of the park, right? I don't know. I feel like it should be Nick Cage. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't have a Carnage Ghost Rider, even though every other Marvel character has been a Carnage at some point. Yeah. I'd still watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Let there be Cage. (laughs) Let there be Cage. Carn Cage. Uh yeah, you you want to circle back around talk about the unbearable weight of segways? You got good <laughs> I don't know. Just the st- extreme amount of talent in this movie is so unbearable. I just don't know if I can bring myself to talk about it. Yeah, I think we just gotta sign off for the day. <laughs> so you have a good night, everybody. That's probably yeah. That's what that one guy on YouTube would prefer. Indeed, indeed. he's probably still listening too. Take a drink. We mentioned the Lex Luthor <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Living in our heads rent-free random YouTube commenter who we couldn't even bother to read their username. <laughs> oh, we read it. I just couldn't be bothered to remember it. I don't even know if I read it. I think I, it just like fucking went to my brain and immediately left. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, let's run through the cast and crew uh, before we jump into the plot, performances and everything. Uh, and again, full spoilers for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which uh, I recommend people go out and watch. Uh, I, I think it's a good movie. Uh, I'd be so, interested to hear how it holds up on a second viewing. Yeah, that's actually interesting because uh, I feel like a lot of the charm to this is its unpredictability and just how weird it is. Yeah. Uh, like uh, w- with like nick cage not only playing nick cage but also nicky cage <laughs> yeah that shit i was like what is what, happening what is happening because that's even more like that's that's a whole new level of meta you know and it's already meta okay uh so the director is tom gormican who uh who also co-writes it with kevin edden who i am not familiar with tom gormican i am not uh, either he has directed one other film uh, which is let me pull it up. It is that awkward moment, which I am also not familiar with. <laughs> Has a decent cast though, uh, to it for his uh, first movie. It's several names you'll recognize. Uh, so I I I'm assuming he's gonna get more projects after this because even though uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent didn't make a a lot of money back, I feel like it's gonna be a little cult classic. And really uh, not do only well that, on streaming services. Not only that, I mean, it has a hell of a cast, but outside of that, I can't imagine it had a huge budget, which means it's easier to make a profit. It's easier to call it a success, even when it yeah, doesn't make it a lot of money. Yeah, it was a $30 million production budget. 
uh, and it grossed 29, I believe. So basically, you were even on that regard. But on streaming in the long run, I think it will make back its money like yeah. tenfold because this is the type of movie just like we're watching, catching it now. I feel like this is something you watched on streaming. You know, like you're not going to run out and see it like opening weekend, but it's a great hook. It, like it'll it'll like uh, get some good word of mouth because the the good performances in it and it's it's a Nick Cage movie, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I think it's just fascinating, like, how Nick Cage's inability to turn down movies ended up being, like, part of the plot part line of, of plot. a Nick Cage movie yes. where he's playing himself. Like, just the fact that that exists, like, blows my mind. Uh, So... It gets even more meta than that. We'll get into it after the cast. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, so, as we mentioned, obviously, Nick Cage plays Nick Cage and Nikki. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll get into that, too. We'll get into Nikki. We have who to me kind of like steals the movie is Pedro Pascal. Absolutely. I think Pedro Pascal is so fucking lovable in this movie. You know who he kind of reminds me of in this movie? And you can take this this uh actor as any one of his movies, but in this movie, especially like just the way he's acting in general, and you know, he's supposed to be obsessed with Nick Cage, so his facial expressions when talking to Nick Cage. He reminds me a lot of Jeff Daniels. I can see that. Especially from like Dumb and Dumber or something like not necessarily like in how stupid he is or anything, but the way Jeff Daniels just kind of acts, the way he carries himself in that movie, his energy in that movie. He's got a lot of Jeff Daniels energy to him, I think, in this. He, he also... Uh, and I mean that similar, in a good way. I love Jeff Daniels. Oh, uh, Jeff Daniels is fantastic. Similar to Jeff Daniels, he, he has this like like comic sensibility to him to where he can be very very funny and very likable and then on a dime bring out just like this like really really like dark undertone of being a, like a villainous character a like, did you ever see godless no. the tv show with jeff daniels okay so it's a western uh and the main villain is jeff daniels Oh and my it, god, it, I want to see it because I saw him fantastic. in Looper and I was like what is happening? Like he is fucking terrifying in he, Looper. It, like he uh if you like his performance in Looper, you will love Godless cuz it's just all that. It's like all like Jeff Daniels like walks into the room and no one can like you, no one can take their eyes off of him cuz he can just like fucking command a room with how intense he is and he's fucking amazing in that show. So good. Can I tell you one of my favorite things that Jeff Daniels ever did? Since I well, I already derailed this earlier. Uh, <laughs> on uh, Colbert, I think um, I want to say was it Helen Mirren? One of the dames, one of the actual dames, not the expression <laughs> that I, that I love, came out. And literally, you know how Colbert will go meet them halfway on the stage and like shake hands or whatever. Um, she pull Helen Mirren pulls Colbert in and just kisses him on the lips, like kind of long. And then the next guest after that was Jeff Daniels, and Jeff Daniels walks out when they shake hands. He pulls Colbert and kisses him on the lips for a long time, also. <laughs> And Colbert rolls with it because he's an improv guy at heart. That's where he got his start was improv on stage. But when they sat down at the desk, he had no words. He had no idea what the fucking say. <laughs> and Jeff Daniels <laughs> just sat there and stared at him calmly. <laughs> it was awesome. amazing. It's exactly the way Helen Mirren did. He walked out and just kissed him. It was great. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's one scene in this movie in particular where Pedro Pascal is like fucking wonderful. 
Uh, yes. It's where they're first investigating him as the villain, and the scene is basically like Nick Cage looking at him across a party. And yes. because of the music and because of his smile, like Pedro Pascal has like all the charisma of like a fucking scumbag. Uh, what what is their like villainous operation? They're, they're like trying to like they're a cartel and arms dealer, I believe. Yeah, and they're also trying to like swing an election in Spain or something. Yeah, there's like a very convoluted, very '90s Nick Cage plot <laughs> happening. Not coincidentally, uh, which you will find the, out. This movie has a Nick Cage movie. And like a, a CSI, uh, CSI, CIA spy thriller, both happening at the same time, and they're almost different movies. <laughs> like, yeah. it's what? It's it's nuts. But like, this movie is nuts. Pedro Pascal in this, not only does he have a lot of Jeff Daniels energy to him in this, there are times that he's just almost downright sinister in the beginning. Yeah, but all, always being likable. Always like likable, even when he's being that, sinister. That scene when they're watching uh, the movie together and he's just like, Paddington 2 is incredible. Oh, I fucking (laughs) told you. (laughs) That is what I... There's two parts of this movie that I laughed out loud and I laughed hard. That was one of them. It's so good. Uh, So we also have Tiffany Haddish, who... Uh, Okay. I am... Sorry, what was that? I was going to say, I... Cannot stand Tiffany Haddish. I actually kind of liked her in this movie. What else has she been in? I'm not that familiar with Tiffany Haddish. Um, she's been very Tiffany Haddish in a lot of other things. Uh, I, Night, I Night School is the main thing she's from, I believe. I, I feel like everything that's made her notable has been stuff that's been just like stuff I haven't caught. So I, I know nothing about her. Yeah, the, the one thing that I remember being everywhere was Night School. I remember posters for it. I remember the standees for it. When did night school come out? I feel like I was still at the theater. I feel like it was just everywhere. And I was just like, please don't make me scream Night school came out in 2018. Yeah. That's not when I was at the theater. But it was... I remember it was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. It was on TV. I've I've heard of it. It was online. I've I've heard of it. I just I I know nothing about Tiffany Haddish, but yeah, I thought she was fine in this. I thought she had a few. I, I I thought her scene at the very very beginning where she was just like yelling in the bar, like uh like the concierge area, you know, like near Nick Cage, and she like I'm like oh I'm screaming, and she like said it again like, more quietly. Like she had a couple lines that I thought she delivered pretty well. Yeah, yeah, she um, she did pretty pretty okay in this because she was not being herself because most of the time she's one of those actors that. You hire them because uh, you want them to be themselves. Like, for the like most that part. Aquafina type of person, where like, they're just like always... Aquafina, or maybe yeah. even like a Nick Cage like character. Yeah, yeah, I, I went that. there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, her actually playing a role. Uh, I actually liked her in this. Yeah, I, uh, the scenes where they are on the intercom earbud thing giving nick cage instructions are really fucking funny there is a thing becoming a trope and i don't care because it's never not funny to me someone being semi-paralyzed on the ground having to wiggle like a snake across to get away from something (laughs) i i don't know why that's showing up it's like the third or fourth movie now i've seen it in recently but i i i I can't i can't feel my legs (laughs) yeah i just am falling asleep out on the ledge outside on the window like wake up (laughs) And her so yelling good. action and he snaps awake. Yeah. <laughs> completely completely unfazed. 
genius. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Uh, we also have Sharon Horgan, who plays Olivia, who is the... Fic so, again, so Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage, but this is a fictional version of Nick Cage, who Nick Cage we said is... Who uh, Nick Cage has said is nothing like the way he is in real life. And I bet he said that. None of these uh, like uh, family member stand-ins are a stand-in to like one of his actual like children or wife. Yeah, that's they're, what I would they're, say. They're a fictional family. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen her in something else, but I looked I, through IMDb and I can't place where I know her from. That, that's exactly what I did during the movie. I was yeah. like, who the hell are you? And I looked her up and I, I just kept scrolling, waiting to see something I recognize her from. But I guess she reminds me of someone else. I have no idea who. It might I like be her. the accent. Yeah, I think she's good at this. It might be the accent. Like the accent reminds me of someone else because she has like a, I think it's an Irish accent, right? I, I, I'm something like that? Scottish. I get those I, I'm types American, of accents. So I'm bad with accents. I'm so bad at those types of accents. I, I cannot place them. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I swear to God, I've seen her in something, but I just can't place it. Uh, we have uh, Paco Leon, who's playing Lucas Gutierrez, who is the cousin of Pedro Pascal's character. So uh, good. Also, also really good in this. I had never seen this guy before, but I think he's really good. That's the first time I've ever seen him before. And that, that turn that the movie takes, because they set him up to be like, Pedro Pascal is the main villain, and this is going to be his idiot cousin. His, but, like, second command type of guy. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he, the way he's dressed and kind of unkempt all the time and he's always acting kind of dopey, you think he's just going to be, like, uh, like the John Cryer of Superman, right? You just think he's going to be that kind of character. Yeah, but exactly. He's absolutely not. Okay, okay, question. Yes. When you first saw Neil Patrick Harris, <laughs> did you think he was playing himself? Because I totally thought he was playing Neil Patrick Harris and he was his buddies with Nick Cage. It took me a minute to catch on that he's not, in fact, Neil Patrick I, Harris. And, and what's funny is they go out of their way to assert that by having Nick Cage call him by his character name like 50 times. Yeah. Every single time he talks to him, he's like, Fink, Fink, what's going on? Fink, Fink. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for confirming that he's not Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Because Cage. When you're when you're watching this movie where Nick Cage is playing himself and you see these famous people, you I know. your first instinct you is You go into entourage mode, right? Yeah. Your first <laughs> instinct is, oh, Pedro Pascal is just playing Pedro Pascal. Like, but but you realize like I think the only person I would watch that, by the way. I would watch that movie. Pedro Pascal being Pedro Pascal with Nick Cage is Nick Cage. Yeah. I would totally I think the, watch that. What's funny is the, the only other person who ends up playing their actress self in, in like in real life is Demi Moore and yes. the, the the ending. <laughs> I was shocked to see her. I didn't think she acted anymore. Yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I think uh, so. We also have uh, Lily Mo Sheen who plays Addie Cage, uh, who plays the the daughter of Nick Cage, who he's trying to kind of like reconnect with because they have this like kind of ongoing subplot of. Nick Cage always being kind of self-centered and so focused. It's, it's interesting. They made the angle of like Nick Cage constantly being in a thousand movies each year as like a kind of like realistic family complication where he's, yeah. because he's so busy, he doesn't have time to like hang out with his daughter and he always makes it about him. And it's just like, or he, I thought that was kind of, kind of like, well, like a well-observed and well-written. Or, he, or like he does, that. but he like fucks it up when he does. Can we yeah. can we pause for a moment on Lily Sheen here? Remember how we talked sure. about Ewan McGregor and how it's not fair he gets to wake up every day and be Ewan McGregor? Yes. 
Lily Sheen is the daughter of Martin Sheen and Kate Beckinsale and gets to hang out with Nicolas fucking Cage on a movie set. <laughs> I, I didn't realize uh, that she was in those families. Yeah, her, her dad's Martin Sheen, which I'm sure huh. you know because the guy's a fucking legend. Yeah. And then Kate Beckinsale is her mom and she got to hang out with Nicolas Cage on a movie set. None of that is fair. <laughs> Oh, Michael Sheen. Michael, Michael Sheen. Sheen. Michael Sheen, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I I do that all the fucking time. I want to call Martin Sheen Michael Sheen. I want to call Michael Sheen Martin Sheen. Yeah, I, I feel you. There, I, there's no relation between the two. There's no reason I should ever do that. But It's I, just the similarity in the, yeah. I cannot. kind of roll off the tongue. And I, I can see the correct face in my head when I'm talking about them, but I cannot get their names right. That's okay. But yeah. That's what IMDb is for, man. But I know, I know you know Mike Sheen. I know, oh, yeah. I, I know you Mike know Michael Sheen. Sheen. You ever see Frost Nixon with him in it? No, I heard that's a really good so, movie. It's such a fucking amazing movie, off of just two guys having conversations. But like, it's like gripping somehow. It's really, really the thing good that movie. that hurts me because he's in uh, he's also in Underworld, isn't he? He's in the third one. He's in the prequel, the Rise of the Lycans one. Um, he's not in the first one too. I don't think so. I think he was just in the prequel one. Um, the thing that hurts me is he's a legendary actor. He's great even when he's in a bit role. And one of the first things that pops in my head when I think of him is goddamn Twilight because he's in Twilight. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, why? By the way, did you ever watch a... If you haven't, you absolutely have to. Did you ever watch Good Omens with him and David Tennant? I have not. Dude, it's a Neil Gaiman story <laughs> with where David Tennant and Michael with David Sheen. Tennant and Michael Sheen, and they're playing fucking angels and demons and shit. It's so good, like they're great. I've yeah, I've heard it's fucking amazing. You will love that show because like it's just them being David Tennant and Michael Sheen, and it's a Neil Gaiman fucking like urban fantasy setting. So it's just every like, time you see you hear Neil Gaiman, I hear um. I hear factory. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, Oh my God. I am running on no sleep and a lot of caffeine. And I just blanked on Luke Skywalker's name. Mark Hamill. Hamill. Um, Mark Hamill going Neil Gaiman esque world of music and whimsy. Uh, oh, uh, and if and if uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen weren't enough to sell it, uh uh, the actor playing Gabriel is none other than John fucking ham. Who's in that show? <laughs> Did you ever uh, see the awful, awful movie Passengers? Passengers was that the one with uh, J Law, Hunger Hunger Games girl, and yeah. uh, Star Lord? Yes, exactly. I I saw the trailers for it. I never saw it though. Uh, yeah, you you made the right decision. Uh, Michael Sheen is the best part of that movie. He is Didn't even though he was in it. He is a bartender who is a robot from the waist down. He's just a stick on a wheel. And from the waist up, he's Michael Sheen, and he's serving Star-Lord at the bar. I also just discovered season two of Good Omens comes out later this month, and I'm excited because I'm going to binge the shit, the shit out of that show. No, he's he's in Underworld, Underworld 2, and Underworld 3. Michael Sheen is? Yeah, he's the main, he's the main werewolf. He's Lucian. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw the first two, but I never saw... Third one, I was not aware he was in there. I thought he was just in the. Is he like more of a focus in the third one or something? I think he's in the beginning of the movie. Well, 
No, because that's the, that's the one that goes back in time. Yeah, I, I guess he's the star of it too. The movie maybe opens with he's Kate like Beckinsale, but main... it goes back. Maybe it's because he's like the main character in that one. I was. He's he's a main character like... in the first one. She's he's the one she's trying to kill. In the first movie, yeah, he's the main werewolf. He's the one masterminding everything. And the third movie is about why he is. Oh, the way I get he is. I get his character and uh, Scott, Scott Speedman. Char- I get their characters mixed up. Yeah, that's yeah, another one that's not you. fucking fair. Anyway, um, yeah, no, Michael Sheen's the main werewolf. Gotcha. Yeah, I I haven't seen those movies in like twenty years, so forgive me. I, well, I, that's I your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies, and you're lucky I haven't had them on this show yet. All five of I them. I mean, I'm I'm not against it. Like, I I don't hate them. I just haven't seen. I I actually, what's weird, I never do this. Uh, I was going to see something. I think we went and saw something else, but I ended up seeing the fourth movie before I have seen the third movie. And that's like the only time I've ever watched something out of order like that because usually it hurts my brain. Well, the but third because, the third movie is the prequel. Yeah, it could be, I, I think maybe it was because like the third one was a prequel. I could kind of like talk myself into it. But, but usually I have to watch the movie series in like chronological order or it hurts my brain. I want to so, say uh, the... F- I have seen the fourth one. I just have not seen the third one. I want to say the fourth one is the one that there's a time jump. Um, Like you're not supposed to know what's going on when the movie starts something like that because they they have kate beckinsale back as the lead yeah uh and then they yeah i buy it man it's been so long shit when did the, when did the fucking fourth one come out like 10 years ago like it's been a minute well the fifth one came out sometime i don't think he was in that but i think lily is i think lily sheen is yeah i have no idea but yeah let's let's get back on topic we, we have like 17 different segues <laughs> yes. to underworld somehow we're we're talking about underworld we are our we are on topic <laughs> All right, this is Underworld right. we're talking about. Yeah, now I have to. I've, I've just been scrolling through so many fucking IMDb pages trying to do all this <laughs> like on the fly research and fact checking and shit. Well, the next name I can't pronounce, so I'm gonna leave that to you. Oh, good. Thanks for that. <laughs> Let's see. Is it Alessandra Mastronardi? Is that who we're talking about? Bless you. I think I just performed like a Harry Potter spell or some shit. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Uh, who is playing Gabriella? Who this is the girl that gets kidnapped? Is that? Or no, Gabriella is uh the the girl that Pedro Pascal likes, right? Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think that's. Was there anyone else in like the cast that you wanted to point? I think we got like our major people kind of. Um, down. I mean, I think Jacob. Jacob, what is it? Scipio is probably one to mention. He's Carlos. And that's the like the henchman guy. He's the henchman, but he's he's also a double doesn't... agent. So, yeah, because you you think he's on Javi's side, but it turns out he's on Lucas's side. And the most important character is Nikki Cage. We got we got a okay, dude. Can we dude, talk, about talk about Nikki about Cage? <laughs> we got to talk about we got to talk about Nikki Cage. So, were you what just kind fuck? of like, what the fuck is happening uh, when he's in the car with him? It's like I get the idea behind it. Uh, but just the fact that like they, so this movie is just bonkers and weird the entire time. And when they managed to like kick it into like fucking high gear with that, I was just like, are we reaching like Mandy levels of weird with this? Uh, <laughs> but he's only in the movie for what? Like two scenes. See, here's the thing. Nikki Cage gave nothing to this movie 
In fact, it probably subtracted from this movie. And I think they know that because I feel like they edited out a lot of Nicky Cage because he's only in the beginning and then basically near the end. And then he's just gone. He's nowhere. Yeah. He's nowhere in the middle. And I feel like they took a lot of Nicky Cage out. I didn't feel like it negatively impacted the movie because mostly because of just how little he was in it, but it was definitely not additive. And I don't, I like, I get them. The, so the thinking behind him is that he, Nick Cage is struggling with his like former movie star self, like uh, metaphorically where he has turned out to be this kind of like, like working man's actor where he just basically says yes to everything is in 20 movies a year doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter who's directing it. He will. He just likes to work. He just is constantly working. And that's how we got Will is Wonderland. And then I'll tell you stuff like that. And, and uh, you and I should make know. a movie and ask Nick Cage. What's fun? Uh, what's funny is I don't know if you looked at the production notes. He turned this movie down like four times. What? He, yeah, before he eventually said yes. Who? Do, uh, who do you replace the role of Nick Cage with? It's it's so funny. I don't even understand how you would be ballsy enough to write this movie without having him on board (laughs) yeah in advance having nick cage on board because it literally doesn't function with any other actor the only actor that could make this work is nick cage no other actor has that has had the type of career that he's had is your fallback john travolta him trying to get back into movies it doesn't work because he like the whole kind of like point of it is that Nick Cage went from being a movie star to a actor who is in a metric shit ton of movies, regardless of quality. You know, he, like he he was a list for about what fifteen years. Oh yeah, and then and then just like had a completely you know like strange change of pace to his career, and and uh, it wasn't part of that that we talked about before, like. Then he have like a lot of like financial issues to where he kind of like had to say yes to everything for a while. He <laughs> uh, kind of like he had to start s- paying off debts. He had to sell a couple of his castles. I know that. I think he had to sell. His, I think he had to uh, sell Superman number one, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had to sell his copy of Action Comics number one. Like I think wasn't it stolen and then it found and then he had to sell it, which would be pretty devastating to actually get that back and then have to sell it. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. Man, just so crazy that like the the way nick cage's career turned out ended up being the plot of a fucking movie what, like, just the fact that we're having this conversation is wouldn't the irony though wouldn't it be just ironic if they ended up having to make this movie with john travolta i'd watch it <laughs> i'd watch it too but this is the irony after face-off like, pretty funny. This, uh, they should have had him as a cameo in this right a movie like, made for abso- nick cage starring john travolta would be hilarious yeah he, he should have been a cameo in this uh, so just to to finish that topic, how I was talking about how he turned it down, you know, multiple times. Yeah. So this is this is the production notes on Wikipedia. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, he plays a fictionalized version of himself, uh, who Nick Cage himself has said bears little resemblance to his actual real life personality. Sure. He originally turned down the role three or four times, but changed his mind after the writer director Tom Gormican. By the way, Gormican sounds like something that would be in the fucking underworld movies as like the <laughs> final thing they have to kill. Uh, he changed his mind after writer-director Tom Gormican wrote him a personal letter. I would like to read that letter. I would, like, hey, too. Man, uh, so I spent six months writing this script about Nick Cage, and if Nick Cage is a Nick Cage, I can't make my movie, so please? <laughs> like, what do you say? Uh, so, he probably uh, offered him a million dollars to attend his birthday and look at his screenplay. I will, I will buy you a new copy of Action Comics number one oh. so you can get your Superman comic back. 
uh, on November 15th, uh, on 2019, Lionsgate acquired their production rights. And then uh, it looks like what kind of got like the ball rolling on this is in August of 2020, Pedro Pascal joined the film. And then, you know, I think it kind of like snowballed from there. And that should be like a pretty, you know, <laughs> I can't. $30 million budget for a movie where Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage. It's not bad. I uh, can't stop laughing at the idea that the one movie Nick Cage has turned down is the one where he plays himself. I mean, it makes sense though, because like you read the script and like the whole first the whole first act is showing Nick Cage and the like negative aspects of how his career has gone. Yeah, so, like that's kind of personal, you and know. I, for him, for, for first of all, I am actually kind of with Nick Cage turning it down several times because, like I said. I don't think he should have written this movie without him being on board. Yeah. That's just kind of like my opinion because it is very personal. I, I, I'm glad he originally, or I'm, I'm glad he eventually, I should say, accepted it because I like this movie. But I have, you know, like a lot of understanding to like that mindset of like, uh, you just wrote a movie about me where I'm playing myself and I didn't agree to it. So uh, fuck you, dude. <laughs> like, I, I can see that being my reaction too. I want to read the letter that he wrote Nick Cage, but... I also want to hear what notes Nick Cage had for him upon reading the screenplay. Yeah. I want to know how far it went before Nick Cage got on board, like what they had I to want, change. I want to like hunt around on YouTube to see if there's like a discussion like where they, they sat down with, the, with, with this writer-director and, and Nick Cage just to talk about like the background of this movie because the fact this movie exists is pretty fascinating. And bonkers. Because, yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh yeah, let's talk more about the uh the plot. Okay, so like it opens up where Nick Cage is basically kind of at that point again, uh how he was in real life where he's kind of like in the whole financially don't they say he's been like living at like a hotel for a year and owes them like six hundred thousand dollars? He's like, Yeah, they love me. It's like, dude, you owe them six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Cause uh Neil Patrick Harris is playing his agent, I believe. Yes. Uh and then the kind of like the real like, plot point to the movie is him having to go to... Oh, God. What's the name of this island in Spain? Oh, like, I don't know. Yeah, he goes to some fucking super, super fancy island in Spain where, like, you literally have to be a billionaire to have a house here because it looks like a like a screensaver, you know, at all. Like, everywhere you go. And uh, Pedro Pascal's character, uh, Javi, has offered him a million dollars to be the guest of honor at his birthday party because he's just the biggest Nick Cage super, super fan in the world. <laughs> uh, even, even having a man cave dedicated to I was, memorabilia I was of say, Nick Cage. I love that, Steven. I knew, I already knew what it was going to be when they were setting it up because this is the way he was talking. Like It's going to change the way you think of me forever. They want you to think it's the girl being held yeah. captive. But I was just like, oh my God, he has a Nicolas Cage room. And yeah. when they open it up, oh my God, it's glorious. It was so much better than I even expected it to be. The pillow is like, well, that's creepy. No, it's not. It's not creepy. I <laughs> love to. There's so many deep cuts to like older Nick Cage yeah. stuff in here too that I really like. There are even the diapers from Raising Arizona uh, mm -hmm. in the background. Have you seen Raising Arizona, by the way? Because no. that movie is fucking amazing. It's so good. It's a, uh, I believe it's Coen Brothers. Uh, let me just uh, fact check that. But I love, love Raising Arizona. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> the mannequin. That is one of the, <laughs> the most yeah. Nicolas Cage things I've ever seen. When he I love where he asks him, where he's like, how much did you pay for this? I, this I think it was 6000 yeah, How much did you pay for this grotesque thing? I will give you $20,000 for this. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. 
I would oh, give you twenty thousand uh, dollars right now. So, okay, uh, Ron, Ron, raising Arizona. It's late '80s Cohen Brothers with Nick Cage and John Goodman. Oh you gotta, my god! You got you got to see it. It's so fucking funny. It's so fucking funny. I, I, it's one of those. I think that might have been like the very first Cohen Brothers movie I actually watched because uh, my my dad is a giant raising Arizona fan. I'm uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb. And say John Goodman and Jeff Daniels both super underrated, even though people everyone kind of loves them. Still underrated. Agreed. I think. Agreed. Yeah. P- people don't really like fully appreciate the range they have. I-, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. John, I fucking love John Goodman. He's so good. Yeah. He's such a scumbag in uh, Kong Skull Island. Oh yeah. And then such a lovable father in Speed Racer. <laughs> More like a nanja. <laughs> More like a nanja. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah. So the the fucking plot of this movie. So the CIA thinks that Pedro Pascal is this like criminal mastermind, like like ringleader of a cartel. And to be fair, this, they like, have evidence for it because that is his job is to be the front man. True. Yeah, and they they end up saying they have like five years of evidence of you know like basically tracing it back to to he he's his his role in the cartel is to be the fall guy. Pretty much. Yeah. And so, the, I, C- the CIA uh, fucking sees Nick Cage. I, I love I love where <laughs> the uh, the other guy, the CIA agent who isn't uh, Tiffany Haddish, is <laughs> uh, you're not going to fucking believe this. I, I think that's Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be that guy, right? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is he doing on a plane owned by Javi Gutierrez? <laughs> but, yeah. It is one of those like double. T- I feel like that's the the reaction everyone has when they see a famous person yeah. in like a random location. Like you would double take and double take and double t- and just over and over and over again. Be like, there's no shot that's actually that person, right? Like, why would they be here? I feel like that has to happen like all the time. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I think but- I think like forty forty five minutes thereabouts is too long to get to that part though. Like, I think, think I think the beginning of this movie is too slow. Um, I, yeah, I think I, they I, spend I, way too much time on Nicolas Cage's family problems. Like, there's a point where I was kind of like, "All right, I get it," and then Nikki shows up. I'm like, "The fuck is happening?" <laughs> and then yeah, then the movie, we get the to Pedro really gets, Pascal. Uh, uh, not only him, but the dynamic between him and Nick Cage is is great. So good, uh, the, dude. The fucking extent to which uh, Pedro Pascal is just like nervous to be around him is yes. so good. He's he acts such a so dork. well. He's he, such a dork, and he he sells it so well of being like that type of super fan where it's like they love this the celebrity so much they can't even talk to them because they're just a god what, to them. And he he really sells it. The I'd conversation say. he has poolside is amazing. Yeah, he shows up. They're both just sitting there quietly, and he just huh. What I, I thought you I thought you said something. I, no one had said anything. <laughs> and I, then, uh, also, when he first shows up and he keeps asking Pedro Pascal about Javi, yeah, and eventually he's like, "I'm I'm I'm Javi." <laughs> After because he's like, pa- he, he's like "Look, Peter I'm not Harris. gonna suck his dick. I'm not gonna fuck <laughs> yeah. his wife. I'm not gonna fuck his wife with him watching. I'm Javi." Because yeah. <laughs> like Neil Patrick Harris, you know. <laughs> rightly so thinks weird shit is afoot when he offers to pay him a million dollars to be the guest of honor at his birthday party in fucking Spain <laughs> like what 
He's like, I, 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 I'm, I'm Javi. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Also, uh, when he's so nervous to get him to like read his script, is fucking adorable. Like Pedro Pascal is a is a fucking adorable dork and in this movie. Keep in I mind, at this point, you think he's some badass cartel guy. Also, uh, yeah, they they he kind of like dances uh that tightrope a bit of like simultaneously being a little bit intimidating at times while also like having moments where yeah. he's just a giant fucking nerd but i love uh, i love and i love it the to finish out that scene too and they're sitting there and they're both dead silent he's just huh oh i thought you said something uh, like, <laughs> a few more seconds of silence goes by and he goes along those lines and he sits up and starts talking to him about his screenplay yeah <laughs> and then nick cage just walks off into the pool He's drinking his beer on the bottom of the pool. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's gonna he's gonna fucking commit suicide down there because he jumps in to rescue him and immediately brings him to the surface. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. But then uh, they, what then happens though is he starts hanging out with Javi and like the first thing that he has like a bond with him is uh the captain of Doctor Caligari, which is a really trippy aesthetically like fucking amazing movie of like literally a hundred years ago which if people aren't familiar with like go look up on imdb and look at the screenshots because it's an amazing movie like aesthetically uh just like the way that the the shadows are done and everything and the the set art is really cool but they nerd out over that because nick cage had tried to get his daughter to watch it uh basically kind of like trying to like shoehorn her into liking the movie because he likes it Right, and he he finds out that that Javi loves it, and they bond over that, and then like they end up watching Paddington two together. And it's just like it's such a beautiful little bromance they have in this movie, <laughs> where you're you're just like so invested, and and like Nick Cage, you start to like really really want Javi to be a good guy, to not be this criminal mastermind because he's just so likable. I just love it. He's like, how did we get from there? to panicking too and he's like i cried and he's like explain this to me he goes like a baby <laughs> and then it just hard cuts to them watching it <laughs> it's wonderful oh it's so good yeah and then, so the cia like recruits him basically to be like an they undercover spy him, basically yeah pretty much they they fucking basically like black bag him throw him in the back of a fucking passenger van and then drive off with him uh and they recruit him because he's like their only way of getting any inside information that isn't suspicious because Nick Cage is there as a guest of honor. Let's just send Nick Cage in to do the spy shit. Right. And dude, how funny is the scene when he has, like we talked about earlier, but the uh, the paralyzing agent is fucking hysterical. <laughs> I think I touched my forehead. You think you touched your forehead or you did touch your forehead? I definitely touched my forehead. <laughs> I love that scene so much. And when she just casually sends him onto the balcony to like fucking Neo across the skyscraper in the first <laughs> Matrix movie, like like what the fuck? And uh and he's he's out there like like Nick Cage is so funny too. He's like, I I I can't feel my legs. And he's doing like where he he's like talking like he can't feel his tongue. Yeah. Like his speech is all slurred and fucked up. And, and then she yells action to snap him out yeah, of it. It's yeah, so after, good. Yeah, after he's passed out, it's fucking great. I, I love the whole like the uh, whole like middle of this movie is fucking genius. It gets so good for like a like a, a solid like 45 minute stretch that kind of like I, I didn't hate the first act, but like I agree it's a little bit slower pace. And I think you cut the, the first act like, in half and get to this stuff sooner. Yeah, uh, I think you cut the Nikki scenes. Oh my god. Uh, uh as much as I, I don't hate them as much as you do but i i do think 
that the like the real strong suit of the movie is the the dynamic between Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage. So you need to get to that as soon as possible. Um, but the reason they do that extra stuff with like him and his family is to add more like kind of pathos to the ending of it, which I get. But what we're here to see is these two guys, like right. their bromance, is the the backbone of the movie. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about when Nick Cage is in the mirror talking to Tiffany Haddish about how he thinks he has a knack for this and maybe he should just become a super spy? He's like, we're going to need you to do it again. The fuck I am? <laughs> <laughs> fuck no, man. I'm going to play. I'm going back to Los Angeles. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, yeah, uh, him with the CIA stuff is fantastic. The CIA stuff is great. Uh, maybe my favorite sequence of the entire movie is when... Javi and Nick Cage are on LSD. Oh, dude. Uh, dude, that whole fucking scene when they're driving together is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> dude, uh, okay, so I told you there was two parts that I laughed out loud and I laughed hard. The other one was because I couldn't stop thinking if you and I, Jeff, were to do acid, <laughs> one of us would be on the wall and one of us would be trying to get up the wall. <laughs> one of us is Nick Cage and one of us is Pedro Pascal in that scene. I also love... The like that the moments where they have like meta direction where like the movie kind of like for a split second, like is transposed to be like this kind of like epic, like Ridley Scott Black Hawk Down style of war movie, you know, like they have like the intercut, like meta direction where it becomes a totally different, like legitimate movie instead of like the action comedy that it is. And when they're like talking, like uh, it's like I will leave you behind, man. You got, you got, you got to get back to uh, what is the girl's name that he likes? You got, you got to get back Gabrielle? and tell yourself. Yeah, you got to get back to Gabriella and tell her. You're gonna tell her yourself, man. They have like all the cliche like army, <laughs> army bro dialogue. When, when he drops Pedro Pascal and he drops like a foot and a half, it goes into slow motion. It's, yeah, it goes. In, it Nick- goes into slow mo like he just dropped him off the side of a cliff. And Nicholas Cage is just on top of the wall, just. <laughs> Just like beating the wall. Also, like (laughs) Nick Cage, when he is like switching between being Nick Cage, being Nick Cage, who is movie star Nick Cage, and like actively is the like persona of like movie star Nick Cage, and then switching into meta Nick Cage, who is playing the way Nick Cage would have been like overacting in a nineties movie. Yeah. Like Nick, Nick Cage is asked to do a lot of stuff that is like very subtle and he's great at like further supporting Kevin Smith's theory that he's the greatest actor that's ever lived. I mean, like when you watch this, like he's so good at like, just like switching on a dime between these different personas while (laughs) the entire time playing Nick Cage, but isn't himself. Like, it's an interesting performance. Like, I think originally what probably was in that letter to, like, sell him on it is he was just like, now, on the surface, this just looks like a parody. Like, this just looks like meta satire that's going to be like a dumpster fire. But when when you really think about it, like, we're asking you to do a lot that is subtle, and you won't be able to, like, actually understand that as, like, the audience until you sit down and watch the fucking movie to see, like, how many layers there are to it, so... This movie is silly and bonkers and goofy, but there's like some like legit like writing and performance to it when you really think about it. Like just what is all what all is on the table. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, this movie I feel like you could write a thesis on this movie, to be honest. Right? Yeah. It, it's 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 funny, 
and it's really entertaining once you get to the Pedro Pascal stuff with him, uh, with them two together. But like, man, just like when you analyze it and look back on it, like it's legit, like interesting to think about and interesting to talk about. And there's a lot to like really dive in and like analyze as far as like the moments where Nick Cage is playing himself, but not really playing himself. And now he's like, like when they have like the movie scenes at the end, you know, when he is macho early nineties, the rock Nick Cage, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I just, I just, I think it's really fun that he got to like have this like self critique of his own career in a movie where he's playing himself, but not really. And it's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Now, the the other thing I wanted to talk about where we point out how this movie gets even more meta is the movie that they are talking about wanting to write themselves throughout the whole thing is this movie. Yeah. Like, they even bring in the kidnapping. They talk about how the kidnapping would be detrimental to the plot and stuff. And then, uh, you know, what? I was thinking maybe the kidnapping could work. And they're just going on and on and on. And everything they're talking about <laughs> with the two characters getting to know each other, da, da, da. They even say we could like make it about us and our relationship. And that's exactly uh, uh, yeah. what this movie is. Yeah, they, they mentioned that at the point of the movie where that is becoming the like driving force of like the, the plot, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like happening in real time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. I, I, I would be very, very curious to see like how many drafts <laughs> were, were were put into this. I feel like this is a movie that gets written on set. I feel like you think? It, it gets rewritten so many times at that point that they're just kind of yeah. doing the rewrites as they go. Yeah, I, I, I can totally see that because just so, so much of the movie is so nuts uh, that... Oh, oh, also, how fucking funny is it when they send a Nick Cage with the prosthetics to be like... <laughs> <laughs> The fucking like Italian like mafia guy, and is the dude actually falls for it after talking to Nick Cage's wife? Yeah, because she is just like, like stone cold out of nowhere. Yeah, and, like even he's looking at it like the fuck. What the fuck? When she calls uh, him out, like if you're gonna kill him, you would have already done it. Yeah, that that whole that whole segment is just like. Uh, what what did you think of like when it towards the end where they like hard cut to like where you are now watching the movie that they made? Oh my god, I laughed so hard because <laughs> I you see it, but that's not a mistake. They want you to see it because it's right when he grabs the knife as the cut when she throws the knife to him and it cuts to him grabbing it out of the air and he's trying to stab the guy and just Aah! and I was like, okay, this is the movie because. <laughs> 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 There's no way they'd make Nicolas Cage that awesome, which I kind of want to know how that actually turned out, but... Then, yeah, yeah, you don't actually see the, like, ending... So it's really you cool only see and the really fictional ballsy. ending. You never see what actually happened. Yeah. You don't know, like, how much of it was bullshit, uh, because it was just them writing it as they went along. It's kind of fascinating. And, and then, I really like that choice, because you don't see that very often. And usually when that happens you're kind of like pissed off as a viewer because you kind of feel like you were cheated out of like it seeing works. what actually happened. It but fits. it works. Because the whole point is them writing a movie together. Yeah. It totally fucking works. And like, it fits, you don't so know it's yet. Fucking sits. You don't know yet if, uh, if Javi had lived or not because he gets shot by his cousin as they're going after Nick Cage when he has this kind of like final stand uh, with Gabriella on the, on the road as they're shooting at him. 
and you don't know if Javi made it or not. And then like, it's so cool to see like Javi is there at the premiere, but still unable to go in because he's too nervous. And I love that where that guy, like, even after all the shit they've been through together, and even though they got their fucking movie made, he's such a dork and he's so like lovable and he's just so like sheepish. He can't even be in there when they're doing the premiere. He has to be outside and go in and ask how it went. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking <clears throat> that's based on something. Was that actually uh, Steven Spielberg? Uh, I do not know. Uh, I want to say it's Steven Spielberg with Jaws, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I want to say he be in there. That he was so nervous he could not be in there. And when he heard people like reacting to what was happening, he thought they absolutely hated it. He was so. Oh yeah. He yeah. was so worried when the movie was over, and they're like, "No, dude, they're fucking eating it up." Like, oh or wait, uh, it might have been Ridley Scott with Alien. I don't remember. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of yeah, those two. We. I, th- I want to say we talked about it a little bit uh, where it was like where Ridley Scott wasn't sure if the movie was going to be a hit until he realized people were throwing up in the in the premiere. And he was like, yeah, we have a hit now. Yeah, um, it, it, they might have both actually had something similar happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. I do love that about uh Javi. Fucking Javi, dude. Javi uh, is like the ultimate bro. And I want to hang out with I was Javi. Saying, I want to hang out with Javi. Because uh, like I, I love the feels like Nick Cage is like. This is the most fun I've had in years. He's just like, uh, it, this is his, this is his like best friend. He just happens to be a super fan, but they just they just gel, and I think that's really cool. Why do I, I get also the, like, why do um, I get the feeling that Javi is a lot like Pedro Pascal in real life? Just a big yeah, dork. Just a big dork. <laughs> just a big dork in the best way. I also love the the uh, the fact that in the car right after they take LSD. You know, where, like, Nick Cage is looking, like, confused uh, and looks over and Pedro Pascal is just smiling. That, like, took off as a TikTok meme. And if you if you have not, Ron, if you have not seen those memes, you have, have to look not. them up. Some of them are so fucking funny, dude. I had actually, I had seen that uh, as a meme before watching this movie. And, oh, my God, dude, it's so good. It's so fucking good. Oh, that's, that's so great. Yeah, I, I love the no 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 I, I can't drive on acid. You're a better driver than me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I read that you did all your own stunts and gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, and what's also kind of interesting is like if you have been in as many movies as Nick Cage has been in doing random shit. You would have so much actually, training, random training. You, you actually would have random training in some of these situations, you know? So that that's is, kinda cool. Um, it's kind of cool how like uh, they make a point of that. That's one thing late in the run that Adam Savage talks about on Mythbusters is how weirdly prepared they are for certain situations because there's so many gun myths or car myths or whatever that they literally had to go out and get trained how to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like late in the season, they're like doing stuff and they're like, yeah, we are oddly well equipped to do this now because we did all these other myths where we had to like seek out training on how to drive certain ways or drive in certain weather or do things yeah, with guns. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about that. So when they said that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's just interesting to think about like you actually, if you actually did some of those, like, you know, like training segments for like gone in 60 seconds, that could make you a better driver, you know, yeah. like this, random little skills they pick up throughout the years uh you know being an actor you just have to learn like so many random little things and over time those things kind of like you know build up and you actually have some random useful skills uh that you know, can actually help you out in real life it's just like funny to think about 
<laughs> yeah, I think I've kind of touched on everything that I had to talk about. Uh, just go watch it. Uh, it's uh, if so if, charming. If someone out there hearing this has watched this movie more than once, I'd be curious to hear how it holds up a second time because I feel like it probably wouldn't be as good. I feel like going in cold, not knowing anything for the first time is the way to watch it. I agree. I, I think I, I think you, the Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage scenes would still be charming, but I don't think the movie would have the same effect. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but I do think that their bromance and their like <laughs> dynamic is so is so good. I want it to see them make, in another movie together. I, I yeah, one thousand percent. Because they had a chemistry think, on screen, you could buy them being friends. I think their scenes together are so good that you would still enjoy the movie on rewatch. It just wouldn't have the same kind of like uh, impact that it does to where the first time you, you're watching it, you are kind of invested in finding out the kind of like mystery behind it, but behind like just how meta is this going to get? Maybe, maybe that's another reason they have the like Nikki stuff is to like be a misdirect to where you don't know exactly how weird and how meta it's going to be. So it kind of puts you on edge. Yeah, uh, it just makes it seem like he has like what is it disassociative personality disorder or whatever. Yeah, a, a bit. Yeah, they uh, they take it a little bit too far. I think the scenes with Nikki would work better if they were more like Fight Club flashes. Yeah, like where he has quick little, very very brief scenes with him, or where he sees him. Uh, and sees like what he personifies in the kind of like movie star side of Nick Cage that is kind of like no longer the way he is as an actor. Uh, but there's their conversations together last too long. Uh, I I think I I think you could do something with it. I just don't think it was as executed very well in the movie. Yeah, I can say. Like I said, I feel like there's probably more Nicky laying on the cutting room floor than there was in yeah, the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, as I feel like they probably decided it didn't work because it's weird to me how he pops in. I think he pops in, what, like a total of three times or whatever. And you go, after the first time he pops in, you go a long time before you see him again. And I just, I feel like that's a weird choice. Um, it's, like, it's like you go long enough that you almost forget that even happened you before do. he shows up again. And, and it's, it's jarring like every time. It's almost like if you were going to cut that much of him out of the movie, you should have just, you know, pulled the trigger and gotten rid of all of it. Pull the trigger on the golden guns. Yeah. Uh, Dude, man. when he pulls out the golden guns, it's like, yes, I knew that was coming. <laughs> the moment they show them and point out that they're real guns made just for the movie. Ha also, what's so cool. Okay. we've t I'm sure we've talked about it. Uh <laughs> But this movie has like one of the most like ingenious uses of the whole like uh, Chekhov's gun thing. Do you, are, you, are you familiar with like the Chekhov's gun thing? I, the, the writing. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I don't exactly know what it is. Oh, okay, uh, so Chekhov's gun is a like super super old. Uh, I don't even know like what you would call it, but almost like a, like a writing mandate. So if you take the time to show a specific gun, for for instance, that's usually the the example is Chekhov's gun. If you show a gun in the first act, if you go out of your way to show a gun in the first act, it has to be shot in the third act. Like the knife. And that is just kind of like a like a rule of movies to where you don't have like uh basically like misled your audience and, and it, it it isn't random. It doesn't you like basically creating like non-Deus ex machinas within the movie. This movie has one of the most like ingenious uses of that 
with the knife they have in the back of the truck. Yeah. So the knife is a Chekhov's gun. It's a Chekhov's within knife. Within their fictional movie. Because the Chekhov's gun payoff is them throwing the knife in the fake movie at the very end that they've been <laughs> writing the whole time. It's fucking genius Like when you break it out like that. The other incredible misdirect with Chekhov's gun is a literal gun in the nice guys. Uh, Nick, uh, uh, oh God. What is uh, Russell Crowe's character's name? I don't remember. remember. He has, uh, he he has, in the the B dream with Ryan Gosling, he sees the gun in his ankle holster, right. and he he reaches for the gun in the third act. He's like, "That was a fucking dream, dude. <laughs> he doesn't have that." I love shit like that where it's like it's like a it's like a fucking like it's it's like a fucking meta joke for writers like that that is like reaching out to my own fucking heart dude that's like laser targeted at me and it's like <laughs> yes i love you <laughs> which he which javi also is he's like a sheepish writer to where he can't even be near nick cage as he's reading his script because he's just so nervous and he's such a fan and like writers are typically like that just in general where like they so did you get a chance to read it yet did you get a chance to read it yet? Uh, can you like, give me notes? It's like it's like they want to be... Even if the news is bad, they have to know. They can't wait. We'll, we'll go get lunch, sit down, we'll eat, and you can watch <laughs> me read your script. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really, really, really like this movie. I, uh, I'm so glad, like we talked about earlier, that I knew next to nothing about it. Yes. Because that is the best way to go about it. Um. The performances are great. Pedro Pascal, like, legit steals the movie for me. I love this character. I, I want to hang out with this character and Pedro Pascal both in real life because <laughs> they just seem like awesome dudes. And, yeah, I think it's I think it's really fucking good. And for a, for a guy's second movie, this is pretty bold and out there, and I respect that. Because usually when you're making your second movie, you're trying to kind of, like, establish a name for yourself, and typically that requires kind of, like, playing it safe. And writing a fucking Nick Cage movie about Nick Cage playing himself before you've even gotten the sign off from him is pretty ballsy. I, I can I can commend that. Uh, but that's that's pretty much all I have. Is there anything else that we've missed that you'd like to talk about before we sign off? No, I think we've pretty much uh, covered everything that I had. Yeah, uh, really good, really good. I, I actually ended up uh, liking this more than I thought I would because sometimes meta stuff can be a little bit hit or miss for me. Like sometimes it like really hits the mark like scott pilgrim is meta in certain ways that i i adore that movie but other times it can kind of like it's such a it's such a specific thing uh and it's so easy to fuck up yeah that when people can kind of like pull it off it is that's that's why it, it took me so long to watch it is exactly what you're talking about right now yeah uh which i, I can't blame you because it's it's a weird concept for a movie uh but when they can make it work it can sometimes lead us like to really great stuff like like Scott Pilgrim in this. Uh yeah. Uh I will turn it over to Ron here in a second to announce the next movie we'll be covering. But uh, if you'd like to follow the show more, we are on Twitter for as long as the lights remain on at Twitter. <laughs> They're slowly <laughs> going out one room at a time. They really are. Uh I also can sign up for a threads page that everyone is making right now, but I also just don't care. So I haven't done that yet either. I know that is an ongoing saga of if Jeff will ever make another Twitter style account on a different platform or will he remain as lazy as he is? Find out next time, I guess, is he made a threads account. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> that narrator yeah. I miss. What the fuck is that narrator now? 
right? Have you ever heard that guy's voice anywhere else on anything else? Uh, I, th I think. Is it, uh, isn't he actually like one of those voice Sabbath. actors? <laughs> yeah, where he's done like a bajillion things, uh, and sounds nothing like that specific, <laughs> like, fucking Sunday, 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 like almost like wrestling announcer style thing they have going with that, though it just is beautiful and I love it. Yeah, I'm going to look I'm this up sure. while you're doing the sign-off. Yeah, uh, we are on Twitter at SPR Filmcast, where you can follow us for show updates. Any ratings or reviews on any of the platforms you caught us on is always helpful. Uh, if you caught us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. It always helps generate a little bit more traffic. Uh, we've been seeing a little bit more traffic on the YouTube page lately, which we really appreciate anyone catching us over there. And uh, share us out to your friends. Uh, were you able to find out anything about the DBZ announcer? He is a legit voice actor in a ton of video games and cartoons, and he is a character in a couple of different X-Files episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, one episode, Dr. McLennan. But yeah, right he, on, he's right in on. like Need for Speed and um, a lot of like Mobile Suit Gundam games. One of the... Uh, it says it just says Hulk two thousand three robot voice. I'm assuming that's the movie, not the game. Um, you know what? Uh, just to kind of like bring it full circle, uh, it's kind of funny. The career Nick Cage has had is like the on screen version of a voice actor. Yeah, where like they fucking work. You look at like Gray Delisle's IMDb page, or like any of the people who are in any of the main animes, like Matthew Mercer. Like look up his fucking IMDb page, and it is insane. Like those guys. Fucking if, work. If and it's I, I animated, I don't care what it is. If it is animated, Frank Welker's in there somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, those guys like that. Like, those guys are, those people are absolute legends. And I have so much respect for them when you just look at, like, the variety of characters they play. And you'd be like, that person was also that character. And they were that character at the same time. It's just, it's wild. And I, I love, I love voice actors and just like their commitment to Fuck, dude. being in as many projects as humanly fucking possible. Voice actors blow my brain. Cause I found out that Sashomaru and Inuyasha is Megatron and Beast Wars. And never will those two ever meet in the middle. <laughs> those two characters could not be more or different. Or when we like when we found out that L from Death Note was one of the main characters and Barbie as the princess in the popper, we're just like, <laughs> what? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, Ron, what are we covering next time? I I couldn't help myself, Jeff. Oh God, I just, I couldn't do it. I just did not have enough Nick Cage. Oh, you pulled the trigger. I pulled the trigger on one of the Golden Guns. Uh, I watched this movie recently. And I even brought it up on the show, I think, talking about it for a moment. Uh, the only downfall to this movie is that it has Amber Heard in it, co-starring. But it's also got David Finchner in it and a few other recognizable faces. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I think we need to talk about Drive Angry. I have, such, I have seen Drive Angry and I liked it, so I'm down, dude. I'm down. I, I, it is... I, I don't know which one came first, but either he had to do this movie because of Ghost Rider or he got Ghost Rider because of this movie. It, it's one of the two. But yeah, uh, I don't think enough people have watched it because if you want off the chain Nick Cage, this is your movie, my friend. This is in that kind of repertoire of Nick Cage being Nick Cage. Yes. Like, and, it, and if you've seen it, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And David Finchner. His scenes steal the show for the scenes that he's in. 
Uh, yeah, I really like him as an actor. But he I, was all, always uh, really great in the... Uh, you ever watch the show Prison Break? I have. I forgot he was in that. He's he's one of those character actors. I'm always so excited when he shows up. That uh, is it. Uh, is it David or I thought it was William. I thought it was William. Is Fichtner. it? I don't know. My brain. Yeah, is... Yeah, it's it's uh, it's William Fichtner. My brain is fucked up. Who's David Fichtner? That's someone. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't no know clue. who. Great. Fire, Firefox won't turn back on because it's updating. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I, I feel like most people sadly know him from just the opening to Dark Knight these days and. He's in so many other things, and he's, he's so great good. in everything. Yeah, he's, he's great good. in that scene in the Dark Knight. That's why people remember him. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. It's criminal how few people have seen like some of his more prominent roles. I'd say he, he has a lot of the best one-liners in this movie. Yeah, I. Uh, oh, I didn't realize he was in Independence Day Resurgence. I never saw that, but I did not realize he was in it. Yep. He is. He's uh, one of the few good things about that movie. There you go. I dread the day that you make me watch that movie for some reason, or someone does. I mean, I, I would never do it, but now that you put it out there, someone's going to pick it for Friends and Family Month. So you kind of set yourself up for that one. It, 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 it's, 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 it's got some good things. He's one of them. <laughs> He's the one saving grace. <laughs> yeah, there's one of the most epic scenes from the first movie. They just throw out the window, and it pisses me really? off. Really? Yes. Back. Um, man. And I, it weirdly, it weirdly gives Will Smith the finger because he was he was already making like one or two other movies at the time, and he said he couldn't at the moment, but he's interested. So they kill was him it, off screen. Was it written by Chris Rock? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, their their response is to kill him off screen, and. He publicly was like, I didn't say no. I said I can't right now because I'm contractually <laughs> obligated, but I'm interested. And they just fucking <laughs> killed him off screen. So he can't he can't that's, become back. That's that's pretty fucked up, but also pretty oddly funny. respectable. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause well, you know why they killed him off screen, right? E- even if he had been in that movie for all of five minutes. He would have mandated like a fifty million dollar fucking paycheck. Probably. So like I would. I would. I would have killed him off screen too, because Will Smith th- still thinks he's Will Smith, and Will Smith hasn't been that like status that he thinks he is since like two thousand two. James Cameron doesn't uh, do what James Cameron does because James Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron. <laughs> oh. Why do I feel like in a different like parallel reality? This level of like unbearable weight of massive talent meta-ness is about Will Smith playing <laughs> Will Smith. And the the movie is just like depressing as fuck. <laughs> you know, like a whole like the whole second act is the slap from the Oscars and it just it just takes a, a very, 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 very bleak turn. <laughs> you wanna talk about a downfall. Like in the nineties, Will Smith was red hot, man. You could not if he was in something, it put asses in seats, and that was at a time when that that type of marketing was slowing down. People started shifting to like writers and directors. It, it wasn't about the actors hardly anymore. By the time he got to late nineties and aughts, and yeah. then uh, like he couldn't he couldn't do no wrong, and then all of a sudden, it's Will Smith, really? Like I've never seen anyone turn on an actor so fast. Yeah, As everybody well, I mean, did on Will he, Smith. It's weird. Like he just 
You know, you know, like you know, what, like the one like primary silver lining behind Will Smith kind of like fading away is uh, his shit stained fucking scumbag of a son now gets less work because of Will Smith kind of like fading away, and I, I can I can appreciate that silver lining because fuck his son, what a little fucking piece of shit. My God, hate that kid. He's, you want to uh, lose some brain cells? Go look at any fucking tweet in the last 15 years from that little shit stain. No, thank you. I've, ha- I've had enough of him, and I've had enough of whipping my hair back and forth also. so I'm Fucking whip my hair back and forth against a brick wall before reading into that kid's <laughs> tweets again, dude. Jesus Christ. Uh, just be the guy from Jessica Jones just plowing your head through the post. Yeah. I, I would much rather do that. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be gonna be a wrap uh yeah i saw drive angry when it came out in theaters i think we screened it i want to say i want to say drive angry like opened in theater 12 which is where movies go when they're leaving (laughs) i i really want to say that's how that happened uh so it came out in 2011 so it's been 12 years uh yeah and that is um the year the last uh year i worked at the movie theater it is, I forgot to look it up before. It is available on Max and it is available to rent at all the usual places. Sweet. Yeah, we will be uh, checking it out. Be it, sure costs, watch it, it costs about a buck or two more to buy at all of the usual places. Nice. So, yeah, but it's on Max. Odds are these days you probably have Max because it's become a hell of a value. Um, either yeah, way, they, either way, next thing I'm watching is that goddamn Doom that came to Gotham because it's on there now. Hell yeah, I really want to see that. I've been, I, really I almost, fe- I almost feel like you should come over and would just, just I'm down take back I'm and down, watch I'm it because right. that's one I feel like whether it's great or whether it's awful, we're probably gonna end up talking a lot about. It's. I wanted to watch that and uh, Gotham by Gaslight. They're both uh, on there. Is, we should just yeah. make a night of it. Yeah, let's just yeah, let's just like Womble combo double feature that that shit. Let's do it. I'm down. And then not talk about it on this podcast. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Sign up for our Patreon that doesn't exist to get the content that doesn't exist. (laughs) The unbearable weight of massive uh, podcasting talent. We, uh, if we had a, if we did have a sideshow that was like subscription only, like Patreon only, I think that's it. Just going through like, Batman movies, nothing but Batman movies, and just reviewing them the same movies over and over again. I feel like there is another uh, parallel universe out there where we just cover nothing but Batman shit, and it's uh, and Fat like, Men on Batman, <laughs> <laughs> and we're like super famous and doing live shows and shit. Yeah, doing it, and then oh, man. here we are doing this. The unbearable weight of mediocre talent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the name oh, of our man. next podcast. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>